0: And welcome to our slightly delayed podcast 73 in the series You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And
1: me, Simon Calder, here at King's Cross Square in the heart of London, because today we're talking about the perfect square. I'm not sure that this scruffy station forecourt quite does it, but we will bring you our favourites and some of yours from the thousands on offer around the
0: world. Yeah I must say that I found it quite interesting to um, ponder on um, what are the ingredients that uh, make the uh, recipe for the perfect square. Um but anyway before we get on to that let's catch up on a few tweets that you have sent to us at you should have BT. Ronka responded to our last podcast Russia big but is it beautiful with the following words I am not prepared to risk my life by travelling to a nation that is so hostile to people of colour. And Sherry, uh, endorsed by Guy, in a similar vein, tweeted this. Would not spend my money going to a country with a dictator like Putin. I might say something that gets me arrested. And Stu is also not
1: intending to visit Vladimir Putin's Russia. I'll pass, thanks. It's not the best country to visit for the LBGT community. And, uh, well, I think we mentioned the Foreign Office advice last week, which did warn about uh, uh, incidents of racism and homophobia in Russia. But it does take us on to the kind of very tricky question of when it's all right to go to a country whose human rights uh, record is is frankly, pretty deplorable.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, we know that our own uh, government uh, seems to be able to operate on um, a variety of levels when it comes to moral standards, uh, doing business with, uh, let's call them uh, dodgy regimes. Uh, I kind of feel maybe that uh, uh, now I'm a bit older and wiser, that I would rather not put my money into the pockets of uh, some of these people
1: yes i mean i uh, clearly uh, there is a uh, it's a pretty low bar that i set for myself for example i'm very happy to travel to to china i'm happy to travel to turkey uh all kinds of places with regimes that are frankly um pretty horrible but with people who are great and that's what you will certainly find in russia mick um what, what happens in the Kremlin, uh, just overlooking Red Square, by the way, doesn't uh, affect the fact that you've got an incredibly welcoming uh, country, as uh, Francis Lindsay Gordon, our guest last week, um, uh, related. And um, <laughs> talking of which, we got a message from Margaret, who says, I hope Mick does get to Russia one of these days. And your guest had a wonderful voice. That was Francis.
0: Clearly a woman after my own heart. Well, thanks, Margaret. And uh, when circumstances allow, and I think that includes the uh, uh, departure of Mr. Putin, I certainly do intend to visit Russia. You'll also be glad to know that you will be able to hear uh, more from France's Lindsay Gordon uh, a bit later in this podcast and uh, just one thing uh, I will actually have to carry on searching through the tweets to try and track down um, uh, your praise for our own dulcet (laughs) tones which seems to have gone missing unaccountably.
1: Um, Sue McArdle was also very positive about the programme and takes us very neatly onto the main subject of this podcast. Very much enjoyed your russia edition thank you my suggestion for best square is without doubt imam square in isfahan iran stunning architecture on every side a bustling bazaar and the friendliest of welcomes from all the local families out and about and i guess that kind of mirrors what i was saying about
0: russia terrible regime um lovely people well, Sue's not alone in that. This is from Anthony Johnson. On a travel trip in 2008, I was really impressed by Nakshe Jahan Square in Isfahan in central Iran. In existence since around 1598, the square is beautiful and is surrounded by mosques and markets. I can recommend a visit. Um, I should say that... Uh, These two squares, Imam Square and uh, Naqsheh Jahan Square, are one and the same square. um, But I've never been there. Have you?
1: No, I haven't. Iran is one of those places that actually, probably like um, a lot of listeners, I've flown over countless times but um never been able to reach um tricky visa regulations again you know some reservations that people will have um particularly women about the uh uh, treatment uh, that that they may uh, receive and the overall uh, human rights record but i look forward to getting there because It just sounds uh, that that description we've just heard uh, mirrors everything I've heard and read about this uh, uh, amazing country. And um, well, let's
0: hope that it opens up
1: quickly um, in every sense.
0: Well, you don't just have to take Sue and Anthony's uh, words for this. Um, The Square is on the UNESCO list of uh, World Heritage sites where it gets the accolade of outstanding universal value. I look through this list, and it's odd actually how few squares are actually mentioned. And this is partly because um, uh, sometimes the whole historical centre of uh, towns and cities. Uh, gets into the UNESCO list. For example, um, Salzburg, Vienna, quite a lot of Italian um, cities, obviously. It won't surprise you very much to know, like Siena. Um, there is one, actually, which is the um, Piazza del Duomo in Pisa. So there is an actual square, which, of course, if you visited the Leaning Tower, well, you will have been in that absolutely remarkable um, piazza. Uh what, what what I did notice, um, bizarrely, was things that definitely weren't there. I was just astonished that uh, Paris's most beautiful square, um, the Place de Vosges, yes. uh, wasn't mentioned. Have uh, you said that um, sort of red brick and uh, w- with kind of white stone and lovely colonnades and uh, slate roofs and it's just so harmonious and lovely and everybody who was anybody uh, lived there. Victor Hugo, for example, and it's uh, right on the edge of the uh, Marais district for anybody who hasn't actually seen it. I can't tell you what a what a beautiful place that is and, and that doesn't make it onto the list. However, weirdly, well surprisingly really for me, um, Nancy, which I'd always thought of as a rather kind of dull industrial kind of city in uh, northeast France, partly because I'd never been there and uh, actually has three squares, um, which make it into the list. Uh, the, um, Place uh, Stanislas, the Place de la Carrière, and the Place de l'Alliance. Uh, and I, 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 I looked them up and um, travelled round them virtually, and uh, they are absolutely stunning. Um, I, one of them, the Place, de, the Place Stanislas, is the the biggest one, um, and it's called after the Polish king to whom it was um, given. I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd like to have a square uh, given to me. <laughs> And, and it is uh, linked to a much longer, thinner square, the Place de la Carrière, and then an absolutely beautiful small square, the Place, de Lali- uh, Place d'Alliance, um, which is quite. Small and uh, shaded by lime trees and looks extremely peaceful. So I really am going to put that on my must-visit list. Nancy and its squares. Okay. well, look, I will see your
1: Nancy. Seems so long ago now as... uh... Uh, Leonard Cohen so rightly sang, and I will raise you (laughs) Lille. Yes, um, from where I am, if I walked across the road and caught the uh, 1231, I think, um, I would end up there. Uh, Luckily, I've been jabbed, so I don't need to um, come up with a compelling reason to go there. Um, But uh, they also, in Lille, have three interlinked squares. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Grand Place, of course, Place Rieu and Place du Théâtre. And uh, yes, Uh, I'm just contrasting that with what I can see from here in uh, King's Cross so-called square. I'm thinking about just a bit south from here, Leicester Square, pretty grim and um, Trafalgar Square, which I guess is the closest that uh, the capital gets to a kind of grand square, the heart of London, uh, dominated by Nelson's column, but not with the Great range of lovely places to eat and drink, and wonderful cultural aspects. And going back to uh, uh, the, the Marais, uh, the, 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 the Place des Vosges in, in uh, Paris, of course, um, you've got everything crystallized there, uh, including the free Victor Hugo Museum tucked into the uh, southeastern corner. And free museums in Paris are relatively rare. <laughs>
0: I don't think you'll find any, uh, will you, on uh, Trafalgar Square? I mean, it's not a great surprise, really, that uh, none of the UK uh, squares make it onto the UNESCO list, although uh, Bath as a kind of um, whole, as a city centre, does uh, does get there. Um, But why are we so bad at it? I mean, I was thinking about uh, Trafalgar Square, and to be honest, most of the time... um, uh, you're too busy trying to uh, work out uh, which bus is going to run you over <laughs> to really take in the the, the sites properly. I, I I think, and uh, it does. It's not really. Enclosed enough to have a really good square feel, but um, no, uh, anyway, look, let's get on. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry, I, I, I would need
1: to say that if you carry on down Whitehall to the other end from Trafalgar Square, you get to Parliament Square, which absolutely should be the place that is just given over to humanity. So, you've got the Houses of Parliament, you've got Westminster Abbey, you've got the Supreme Court, um, on three sides of this square, and it absolutely should be somewhere that we go to and celebrate but as you say uh, just traffic 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 it's one of the busiest junctions in uh, in the whole of London it's possibly something to do with the weather I mean if you look at anywhere from uh, the Pyrenees or the Alps south you're going to be living outdoors and so therefore the squares are the absolute natural places to
0: meet. Well let's get on to some of the more specific ingredients that go to make up a great square starting with our guest last week um, she of the uh, very nice voice travel writer (laughs) and photographer Frances Lindsay Gordon we asked her to come up with her favorite square
2: (laughs) certainly that's a very hard question because there are some stunning squares all over the world actually but one I think that Particularly resonates with me is the main square of Lisbon, which is called the Praça do do Comércio, which means the commercial square, and it sums it up because it's a huge square and it faces the harbor, and it was the entrance for all the ships that would sail in and unload their goods, and you get a tremendous sense of that historical time and on which the Portuguese empire was really built and you look out to sea and you can just see the the tall ships sailing in from all over the world and around you are the most beautiful um, buildings dating to the same period. So, you know, sort of 17th and 18th centuries. And it is extraordinarily atmospheric and a lovely place for a glass of wine in the <laughs> evening.
0: Has it got lots of terrace um, tables and things out?
2: And Well, not really so much. There, there are some, but uh, rather like a lot of things in Portugal, it's done very tastefully. <laughs> and uh, the sort of it's just it's just very beautiful and very very atmospheric. It
0: does sound just like Leicester Square. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh, it also has the alluring touch, if I'm not mistaken, Francis, of a, a tram trundling past um, every so often to kind of keep the rhythm of the uh, the, the, the square going. So I, I agree, a joyful location. And actually, the uh, Portuguese uh, world is full of other gorgeous squares, all the way from Madeira to. far reaches of Brazil. Yes, very much so. Frances Lindsay Gordon there, and the commercial square, I guess, as it would translate into English, uh, doesn't sound particularly appealing, but I can absolutely vouch for its many glories.
0: Yeah, me too. And uh, I would agree with her that uh, one very handy ingredient for a great square is actually to have... um, some sea at one end of it. Uh, that does seem a bit counterintuitive, but um, uh, one of my favourite squares is a very small one uh, in uh, Hvar town on the island of the Croatian island of, of Hvar, which is one of um, many uh, beautiful Venetian cities, which uh, you can, tiny cities, which you can find or uh, on the islands and, and the coast uh, around the Adriatic Sea. And the buildings are in white marble, which looks extremely nice against a, a blue sky uh, and, and the blue sea of the little port.
1: Sounds idyllic, uh, although it does, it goes slightly away from me of the idea of a square, which should be square, ideally, and surrounded um, entirely by, by elegance and excitement and filled with humanity.
0: Yeah, I mean, this one is uh, certainly filled with people, particularly uh, in the evening when the sun goes down a bit. Um, But I take your point. Uh, Actually, uh, the Place de Vosges, which I was um, going on about a bit earlier, is a perfect square. I'm not sure quite how many of these are. I haven't had time to measure them all. But um, um, OK, how about this then? Uh, Plaza Mayor in in, in Madrid. I mean... uh, wonderful harmonious yes, place. Yes,
1: but, but I'm, I'm then going to say, well, I'll, 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 what about the Plaza Mayor in Palma de Mallorca, uh, which um, is, of course, topical this week because it's on the green list or at least the green watch list. So we can go there an awful lot sooner than we can get to, uh, to Madrid without needing to quarantine on return. And that is effectively, I think, much more of the heart of a great city than is the Plaza Mayor in Madrid because Madrid is big and sprawling. Palma isn't and I just, it is almost magnetic, the Plaza Mayor and everybody ends up there. It's got the full uh, regime of um, entertainment, of, of uh, market stalls, of great places to eat and drink. It's very photogenic and it's a, a, a wonderful that so many people who simply go to Mallorca for the beaches actually get into Palma for the day and realise that this is the essence
0: of everything that you and I, Mick, love about Spain. No, I'll give you that. But uh, although um, Plaza Mayor in, in Madrid is only one of many squares... I mean, one of the things you can do in the Plaza Mayor on a Sunday morning, uh, and it's a very, very peaceful thing, um, is to just wander uh, across the cobbles and um, admire the, <laughs> the stalls which have been set up where people are selling stamps and coins and really rather sort of Delicate and, and sometimes quite valuable things. It's sort of like an antidote to a car boot sale, really. Um, and on the subject of that, I mean, of course, one of the wonderful things that the Plaza Mayor in Madrid has done, along with, I would say, uh, the most civilized squares around, is to basically reclaim them from um, uh, <laughs> public car parking. So not only is traffic banned there, but at great expense, a uh, uh, a few decades ago, they dug the whole thing up, put the car park underneath and put it all back again. So I think this is a another trick that we in our strangely penny pinching way um, don't haven't actually managed to take advantage of.
1: Well, yeah, I, I want to hear more about your your great um, Spanish squares. I mean, I, I, um, we're we're kind of I, I'm going to lead you south, if I may, just to Seville which um, for me is actually a city of uh, a patchwork of squares uh, almost everywhere you go. And again, they've driven out the uh, uh, the motor car to a large extent. And that is a, a complete joy, um, although it doesn't have this this kind of absolute central focus as, as you have got. Well, go, tell, give me your, your other great, um, uh, great Spanish or indeed Hispanic uh, squares, because there's one or two on the other side of the Atlantic as well.
0: Yeah, that that's very true. Well, we're supposed to be um, uh, concentrating on the ingredients uh, that make up a great square. Well, I, I would suggest um, that um, porticos or arcades are um, a, a very important part of it. So most of those we've mentioned have, have got those. Um, and I think trees are important, and they are very, very few and far between, the the big squares anyway. Okay, so I will offer one, and that is the central square of Merida. Technically, it's called the Socalo, but I think they just call it the Plaza Grande or the Gran Plaza.
1: We're talking here about Mexico and Merida, the
0: great city on the western side of the Yucatan Peninsula across from Cancun. Yes, the Socalo. It it is massive and it has around it the usual kind of uh, buildings of um, state. Um, And also there is, I think it's uh, the oldest cathedral, um, a rather low key, but sort of rather austere, but um, interesting building. But I think it's the oldest one in South America, the oldest uh, Spanish cathedral in, in South America. And the central part of the square, it does have traffic going around It's shaded by these absolutely huge and majestic trees. I, I I think they might be um some sort of laurel tree, but I, I'm I'm not absolutely sure. But I, I think the nice thing about this square is uh you can actually spend a whole day there because there is so much going on Um, you can have uh, breakfast there you can uh, buy all sorts of amazing uh, Mexican uh, street food from the uh, surrounding uh, carts and uh, and stalls uh, you can actually sit at an amazing thing which I've only ever seen in 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 Mexico um, they're um, s-shaped double seats they're called mm-hmm. confidenciales uh, have you ever, have you ever <laughs> seen one? So basically you're sort of... The, the name sums them up. How wonderful. Yeah, you, yes. you kind of sit sort of almost um, uh, back to back with someone, but at the same time you're able to talk to them um, confidentially and then uh, at dusk uh, the square puts on its party clothes uh, accompanied by an incredible chorus of squawks from all the roosting birds in the trees and there's music virtually every night I mean there are salsa bands and uh, various folkloric things Uh, it really is fun
1: I can't wait genuinely to get there, Um, but I'm going to uh, bring you in response to the Parque Central in Havana. Now, if you go back to, uh, well, the 1980s, when I first went to Cuba, it was where you went to change your money at the um, more favourable rates of exchange, shall we say. Um, It's certainly somewhere we could have done with some of those uh, confidential S-shaped chairs, but uh, nevertheless, um, it's still a place where where Cubans congregate. Uh, I haven't been to to, um, Havana for a few years, but I hope the Esquina Caliente, the hot corner, is still there. Um, That's where people converge to get the latest uh, baseball uh, results. It has got a vast number of palm trees. Of course, it's got a monument to Jose Martí, the uh, independence hero uh, in, in the center of it. But all the way around, you've got uh, crumbling buildings that are memories of, of, of when Havana was really the, the, the heart of the Caribbean, the Latin America, if you like. And you've also got some slightly awkward um, new arrivals. The Glo- the Golden Tulip uh, Hotel, a Dutch Dutch brand, um, imposed itself uh, on one side uh, in about 1999, I believe, but
0: it remains. Uh, absolutely, as
1: the name says, central.
0: Well, there are other uh, things to bear in mind. I mean, squares don't have to be square. Uh, St. Peter's isn't. Um, The Piazza del Campo in Siena, I mean, that wonderful uh, medieval square is is a most um, extraordinary shape. And uh, And uh, that uh, doesn't stop it from being uh, somewhere where you would like to spend quite a lot of time. Um, And obviously, if you could manage to watch the great uh, horse race there, that would um, be a bonus. Um, But another thing I'd like to say is that uh, I wonder if uh, the only thing better than one good square is a double square where you can mm-hmm. go from sort of one seamlessly into another. We mentioned that a, a bit earlier with the squares of Nancy, but I remember there are two fantastic adjoining squares in Arras in, um, uh, Northern France, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, Oaxaca, uh, in, in, um, uh, in Mexico also has sort of two squares which kind of um, uh, abut one another but um, there is a square that we've mentioned uh, recently well you mentioned it actually when you were in Gibraltar uh, and uh, specifically in Casemates Square and uh, I was rather struck by this so I um, wanted to hear a bit more about it.
1: I'm in Casemates Square and it's a lovely buzz of voices, no traffic flowing through here, and looking up to the rock, this pinnacle which soars above the Mediterranean provides great views if you have the strength to climb up there or the money to pay for the cable car. I'm just going to sit and listen to these voices, because even though it's very much part of the UK, a British Overseas Territory, I've heard, I think, more Spanish than anything else.
0: Well, that's you in Casemate Square, but, but what was actually there, if you see what I mean, other than the people...
1: It's a lot better than it was when I first got to Gibraltar about uh, 30 years ago. I mean, Bear in mind that this square is a mile from Andalusia. It's 10 miles from Morocco. And therefore, given that both of those uh, parts of the world have amazing squares, it should be an amazing thing. But it's not. It's really a kind of bit of a military parade ground that has been taken over by by tourism by daily life um it's friendly that's the main thing about it it's not beautiful particularly although it could be um uh, dressed up just a little bit more and and the great thing is that it's now kind of the traffic has been taken away so it's a much more civilized place than it used to be and so therefore On my list of squares, it's rated a lot higher than, for example, Times Square in New York, which I think must be probably the single most disappointing place in the whole of the U.S. You're expecting a big open square. You're not going to find it. It's the traffic. uh, It's a junction where I think um, Broadway and Fifth Avenue and Uh, 34th Street, all kind of coincide. It's just a mass of traffic. It's not somewhere where you sit and watch the world go by. It's somewhere where you sit and watch your belongings and hope you don't get run down.
0: (laughs) Well, at least the square where you are uh, in King's Cross sounds um, uh, relatively quiet, but uh, I don't suppose there's anything much to delight the eye there, is there?
1: Uh, there's a Pret a Manger. Uh, I think there's a Burger King just over there. Well, there is, in the sense, if I turn and look at uh, the glories of St Pancras Railway Station. This is, as it were, the the cathedral to the to the railway, and it's a, a gorgeous piece of late uh, Victorian architecture, which I think, yes, that would probably put it on. And actually, to be fair, if anybody can remember what um, King's Cross Station was like in the bad old days with traffic outside and everything, it does actually open it up. And if you stepped off the train from Leeds or Edinburgh and you came out the right exit, you would think, oh, I am here somewhere really important and beautiful. So, yes, I will will stop being grumpy about uh, King's Cross Square, even though it is very, very triangular.
0: Well, if any of you listeners have got uh, uh, a favorite square, or indeed a least favorite square, or indeed would like to take issue with uh, some of our opinions, particularly <laughs> the one that uh, we in the UK are um, generally uh, crap at squares, then please do um, send a tweet to uh, you should have BT.
1: Of course, you can have your voice heard literally if you go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us an audio
0: message, which we love. Well, next week, our topic is going to be a very topical one indeed due diligence. And just to explain a bit more about that, I, if I were to step across to
1: uh, St. Pancras station, catch the 1231 to uh, Paris Gare du Nord, I would be able to do that by dint of having been vaccinated twice. Otherwise I'd need to fill out an online form explaining my compelling reason for wanting to go to France. Travel these days is a tangle of restrictions. And so we're going to be looking at due diligence. Um, if I can get my keyboard fixed I had an unfortunate issue involving a um, a cold drink and my uh, laptop which means that my D is not firing on all cylinders so uh, uh, (laughs) I'll see if I can get that get get that sorted out but it makes uh, uh, writing about anywhere from Dundee to Dunedin a quite a challenge at the moment
0: I can tell you. Well in case you don't manage to get it fixed uh, Simon our next podcast will be about you diligence if I've got that <laughs> right um, and uh, so until um, next week from uh, me Mick Webb
1: and me Simon Calder. goodbye goodbye